This episode is brought to you by Indie Insights. Indie Insights is our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to the film industry, movies, and the creatives that make them, not to mention you, our esteemed listeners. Inside, you'll find curated industry trends, articles, exclusive commentary, and underappreciated films from filmmakers like yourself worldwide. The best part is that it's completely free. So sign up today at www.bonsai.film forward slash subscribe. It just takes a few seconds. And once you sign up, you'll get our next newsletter on Friday morning. It's that simple. Go to www.bonsai.film forward slash subscribe to get Indie Insights, our biweekly newsletter, and join a network of film creatives just like yourself. That's www.bonsai.film forward slash subscribe to get Indie Insights for free. You're listening to Make It. Indie Film Podcast. Hello, hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast. And here with me today, as usual, is my good friend and co-founder, Nicholas Bugs, and our esteemed guest, and uh, actually previous guest, right. and now uh, joining us again after a little bit of time, the one and only Adam Shartoff. Adam, Nick, say hello. <laughs> Hi guys, great to be back on the podcast. Great to see your faces and hear your voices. Thank you for inviting me back on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, thanks for being well, here. We appreciate it. Yeah, and maybe you edit this part, but thank you for coming on to Film Wax. Well, we love Film Wax. That's right. Film Wax is what introduced us to you in the first place. So you know, mm-hmm. um, it's it's our distinct pleasure. And hello to your audience and to. Um, you know, everybody that's been supporting you over, are you at a thousand episodes yet or, or no? <laughs> no, 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 790 is not like something to <laughs> Dude. sneeze at. Like, like no, that's incredible. No. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's something. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. getting, getting close to 800, trying to find that special guest for 800. I, it, it, it could just be you guys. I'd be very happy with that idea. I hey, but then we'd have to wait months because they only do it once. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I, I think it's incredible. I, I don't know what podcaster has the most episodes total. My intuition is that it's Joe Rogan because he's doing three a week for this long. Right. Um, I think he's in the 2000 range or something like that. Jason Calacanis has one mm-hmm. that he does every day. Wow. Yeah. Any, anybody who's podcasting every day, there's a guy, the first podcast I ever listened to was uh, this, this podcast called Mac OS Ken. And it's hosted by this guy who actually is from Nashville. His name's Ken Ray, but he mm-hmm. moved to Buffalo, New York. And all he does. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> Ken, what, what, what are you doing, man? It's a nice town, but Jesus. <laughs> well, it Nashville, is for the Buffalo. Yeah, it is funny because like sometimes he will get on and just sort of make a joke about being depressed. <laughs> wow. It's like, well, you're in Buffalo. But no, no, I'm just kidding all the people. I know, right? It's, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's, a, it's a lovely place. But Ken 
is incredible. He does. He's been doing a daily 15 to 20 minute podcast on for Mac investors, right? Apple investors and everything Apple for, I don't know, for since podcasting began, he has to have, he has to have 4,000, 5,000 episodes. Dude, by now. If you're podcasting and that much, I'm sorry. There's a different name for it. I think you got to call it plogging. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's right. You know, it's like totally different. Yeah, Hold on, I'm going to write that right. down. I think you just invented a new term. Yeah, man. That's good. It's plogging. plogging. He's totally plogging. Plogging 1.0. There you go. And it kind of has to be the kind of show where people can drop in and drop out. And that's something you know when you're recreating and keeping in mind as you create each episode. Because, I mean, it's impossible. Even if back, even if I was an Apple investor, I mean, you know, why, uh, just tuning in every day is kind of like a tall order. So I do it. I do it for the most part. So I'm, I'm that. Uh, he found his audience in me. Like, I wow. wanted, I, like, I, I know so much about Apple. It's ridiculous just really? because of, just because of him and the professionalism he has, uh, is unreal. I mean, he, he, it is so well put together. Mm. He does make money doing it, right? Like he, like he has branding, uh, or not branding, but advertising. Like he doesn't do it for free or anything. So it's, you know, it's, it's impressive what he pulls off. I think Calacanis is even more impressive. Because his are hour-long dailies. But, well, they're equally impressive. I'll tell you why. Ken has to produce his. It's just him reading the news. There's research. So me, guys like us, we know what it really takes to do a good podcast day in, day out. Yeah, right. Where they, like, a lot, there's a lot, too many people that think it's just literally picking up your phone, making a recording, and then publishing it. That is not going to be sustainable. That's why... 70% of podcasts aren't active, right? Um, what Calacanis does is he brings on people he knows in tech for the most part, and, mm-hmm. and that fills up the hour. So he's able to just talk to these people about technology and business and things like that. I'm not saying he doesn't research, but he has a whole team. He has producers. He has resources. He's a very mm-hmm. wealthy person. Um, and so I think even though it's longer time on the podcast, he's sort of able to do it easier than Ken probably puts together his thing. So how, kudos, how old, you know how old the guy, how old he is? Calacanis. He's got to be 52, 52, 53. Okay. And then Still Ken's probably the same the age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah. I'm thinking, you know, if you got a lot of family obligations, <laughs> <laughs> no, he, yeah, he's got a wife. He's got You're two daughters, to a divorced man. So, you know, <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. Like everything. Well, context, right? But, but you, I mean, you've been doing a lot of work, a lot of great work, man. A lot of, uh, I mean, 790 episodes, having great conversations with not only one filmmaker at a time, but sometimes you have multiple on talking to you and just kind of managing those conversations. I mean, you've done, you've done a lot of work over a lot of, a lot of years with, uh, a variety of, uh, family obligations, right? Um, cause you, yeah. How old is your yeah. Son well, thanks, Nick. My son is turning 20 in a few months. <laughs> wow. So yeah, but, Christ on a cracker. Um, yeah, it's really something. It, the show, though, I mean, the reason I can do it, it's, uh, the biggest part, of course, is finding people and doing the research. But, you know, I mean, it is kind of a very casual, a seemingly casual. And most of the times it, it can be quite casual in practice as well. But it's kind of also manageable because it's not scripted. Mm-hmm. 
I don't put a lot of production value into it. You know, I try to have a clean audio. Obviously, I do the best I can, I, you know, but I really make it as seamless as possible. Um, you guys, I really have to give you some kudos because you guys really, you have a whole team now. It's very, it's great, you know, and um, the, I think, you know, in turn, the work can generally pay off for putting that kind of time and effort into it, at least hopefully so. And mine, you know, I, I kind of, uh, I'll be transparent with you. You know, years ago when I was starting off and I was in the earlier days, <laughs> uh, you know, there were there just weren't that many podcasts, right? You know that. Yep. So, uh, and there were, and, 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 and let's say however that number, whatever that number looks like, you can take a very small percentage. How many of those were doing interview format, film-oriented Pocket. Maybe me and one other. I don't <laughs> right. know. I don't think there well, were. I don't even I don't, think, I Al, I don't even think Alex one. Ferrari was around then that early. Okay. Maybe. 2011. Like yeah. But I think it's uh, when Ferrari started. But as time, so I had earlier on, I had, I could find, you know, given my size audience, I wasn't somebody, I didn't have a following. So I had to create an audience from nothing. And in doing that, I had, I was able to realize, oh, okay, so my sponsors are going to be like, film resources, you know, film industry type companies. And, you know, so I focused on primarily on that because that's where I felt I could, you know, arrange relationships, you know? So, but, you know, even that just died off because of the, just the pure, the sheer number of podcasts that, you know, everybody has the multiple podcasts in fact. So it's, you know, I gave I kind of gave up on that, but that was liberating too, you know. And we can talk about that or not, but it, it was, that was also a, a liberating thing for me too. Yeah, I mean, I, I do wonder because I listen. I've never told Nick this. Uh oh, dangerous water. I've never told him this. <laughs> there, there are times where I wake up and I think, how am I going to make this as fun as it used to be? Like, yeah. And it's just moments. I think that's natural. That's human, right? Like you, you go through that in a marriage, you go through that in a friendship, you go through that at work. Just like, Oh man, this is, this is feeling more like work than, than, than play. Um, and we're, we're not even at 400 episodes. Uh, and I haven't, I don't feel that way consistently. That's that's why I'm still sitting here in front of you. So I'm just wondering, you know, do you, how do you beat that back? You're at 790. By the way, Nick, Plogging, it just occurs to me, sounds like something you do to a farm animal. Yeah, please, please don't. I know, right. See, I knew where Adam. you were going to go. You know, come back. Yeah, come back. <laughs> Nick is very sensitive, Chris. Please. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Behave yourself. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> you plogged, you plogged that room. goat? Leave that goat alone. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I knew goats would manage to get into this course, conversation. Of, one of course, or the other. exactly. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was inevitable. Farm animals. <laughs> But yeah, so to the, to Chris's question, yeah, how do you how do you manage those things? Mm-hmm. Again, we're at four hundred. We're like half of where you are, so we've been through it. Mm. Well, there's really I don't think there's really any difference between four hundred and eight hundred episodes. You, we've all we've we've all uh, gone through the exact same cycles, uh, challenges um, as you described, uh, Chris. Um, you know, uh, cycles of of enthusiasm, waning enthusiasm, uh, return to you know, it's just it's just. So I, we, I don't think there's really any difference between 400 episodes. Once you've passed that kind of number, you are, you've, you've gone through just about everything. You know, yeah. I've lost, I just lost another regular guest of mine. She passed away a few, oh, like a couple of months ago. And that's also part of it. It's, it's kind of like, 
you know, amazing. Like I'm getting people on now who, you know, like whose children are coming up and becoming filmmakers, wow, you know, wow. doing it. So there is something so amazing that I will say is what's unique about what I, lasting this long and having people on so many, you know, times coming back on. It's a real, that's a treat to me. And, um, but it's, I do go through periods of like fatigue for sure. How do you get for out sure. of it? How do you, how do you, Work. I just. It. How do you bust through that wall? You just do that. That's all. You just. Well, you just we show do the up. next episode. Yeah. That's, keep, that's no. It. I mean, yeah. once I'm on. So I'm no, sorry. No, Nick, no, I, no. Hey, I feel like it's you do the next episode because I think the next yeah. episode isn't just an episode. It's a conversation potentially with someone that you've already talked to. So you've already kind of made a relationship, right? So you're now you're talking to a friend, or it's you're making a new relationship with a new person. And that I think is the thing that I think reinvigorates me every time. I know that, you know, after every mm-hmm. one of these conversations, Chris and I get off and we're like, dude, that was so much fun. That was, that was great. So it's mm-hmm. never the tiredness, the fatigue or whatever that is during the conversation. It's never like that never. after the conversation. It's never like that in right. the minutes or the hours preparing for the conversation. It's usually somewhere in between. Right. Like in between those conversations where you're like, oh, you sure. Prepare or you got a book or you got a schedule like that's the work of it. But just getting to the next conversation is what I know works for me. That's interesting, Nick, because I, I do agree with you that it, it just occurred to me and Adam. I don't know. Maybe you can talk about this from your perspective, either pre or post divorce. But sometimes the thing that's pressuring you and making it not fun is all the externalities in your life like your kids your wife some other responsibility that just happens to be aligned with when you booked your guest and the time you're going to have on it i think also nick brought up something else interesting which is a great way and this is for any podcaster out there anybody doing anything do the familiar and that'll get you back into it because I do realize I, I may have done this subconsciously, but I have done what Nick said, which is when I'm starting to get that lull feeling, I just bring on a friend mm-hmm. and they're my guest. And then it's like, OK, I'm not podcasting. I'm taking some time for myself. This is almost like self-care. Yeah. And I'm just catching up with a friend that happens to be in film and we can talk about something, bring some value to the listener. But then. I get to refuel. So yeah, kudos to, to, to that, Nick. I don't know, Adam, if you agree with sort of the externality being the stressor or is it just the actual work of it for you? Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know. I never thought about it. Like I'm sure it has to impact my, my mood and my energy and my enthusiasm. Yeah, of course. You know, I'm currently, I mean, my situation has changed dramatically. When was last time? What was, do you remember the last time we like a year and a half again? ago? It was only a year and a half ago. Yeah, it wasn't. All right, so maybe let, yeah. all right, may not be. So, I maybe two it was years longer. Ago. What was it? Pre, did we talk before or after the pandemic? Well, that's what I'm. Trying. <laughs> I lose. I, I honestly, it time travel. I lose time because of COVID. Right. Like, yeah. No, it can't be before because that would have been like four years ago. But no, but <sighs> yeah. I, I'm. You know, I've uh, maybe since the last time I think. Producer so. Papa Bear. I'm worse. Yeah. If yeah. if he could look that up, it would be fantastic. But yeah. I I now have a full time job. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a I have a full time relationship. I'm living with somebody. 
Um, she has grown children. Um, I have also a second job. Uh, you know, I'm consulting with the Woodstock Film Festival. Mm-hmm. I yeah. also do other things involved in other organizations you know we're starting a comedy festival up here i can't do that much for them because you know i'm just not that funny no i because <laughs> because you know my, I'm, I'm too over i'd be i wouldn't be able to deliver yeah, enough, you know out. so i have to be careful how much i i you know promise my um, but but there's i'm just like so the podcast at times feels like a does feel like a chore but you're exactly right how you describe it once i'm having that conversation I, I get into that. I, I feel high and I feel excited and I don't always look like I am, but I am <laughs> excited. And, um, and then, yeah, there's afterwards I come downstairs, I see my, my partner, you know, I have a smile on my face and, uh, and she asks, you know, how'd it go? And I'm like, that was really great. Yeah. It was so connective. And yeah. I, so that's been really working lately. I also find guys that I'm more, I am actually a lot more selective. Mm. I'm more thoughtful about who I'm inviting on. I'm trying to be less promotional, even though it's generally is still promoting, but I try to approach it like these are people I really want to talk to, or the subject matter is something I feel is important to talk about. And most of those work real well because of that. Whereas I think or in the earlier years, I just was like, had more time. I had, you know, I loved the technology. I loved learning. I was learning a lot, like a lot. I like went to graduate school doing this podcast on film. So that, and now I feel like I'm a, you know, I kind of have that degree, you know? (laughs) And so it's a different experience. And now it's like being in the moment and connecting. Do So speaking of just film, like, can you just tell us what you're doing for the Woodstock Film Festival? And, and I don't know, I'm sure Nick is thinking this too, but we should also ask, do you still love film after all this? Like, are, are you in love with it even more? Well, you know, it just comes down to seeing that great, those great films. I used to be much more, I was excited about the movements of film. Like, you know, oh, this, this is a wave of these types of films, you know. And then, um, and there just also seemed to be this period where there was just so many great filmmakers making, you know. And there seemed to have been a lull. The streaming is really kind of, made it much more complicated and that's sucked up so much oxygen. The conversation it's an unavoidable, but um, when I see a movie like, you know, anatomy of a fall or I just watched that last night. I talked to me, you know, yeah, we got to talk about it. Uh, Killers of the flower moon. I just finally caught up with there's two or three other films that I, I, I watched this Danish submission. It didn't make it to the nomination level, but called the promised land. My girlfriend's, Danish. So that was a hat. I had to see that. And um, in fact, I was on vacation. We went to the Palm Springs. I didn't make it into the festival, like to a screening, but mm-hmm. I did go to where, the, 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 where they were having the festival, just coincidentally. And I picked up the program, but they were literally just showing this particular film called The Promised Land. Um, when we were, you know, walking up to the festival, people were leaving and it was just coincident. It was a Danish film. And so we just watched it the other night and that was fantastic. It was called the promise, promise, the promised land actually. <laughs> and um, so I've just been, I go again, like the podcast, I also go through cycles of really making a point of seeing films that I know are probably going to be really good quality. And then I get lazy for a while, you know, and then I get unexcited about, film but i'm i say i'm you know i'm okay i think there's a lot of good stuff going on and i've seen quite a good films this cycle so 
you have those uh, films that are still available out there to watch, got to watch them. Like, it's just, you, you got to watch them. And why do you have to watch them? Because that's the audience that we're really speaking to, I think, more than anything. And that's like, those are the hmm. guests that you have on, Adam, is that those are, you know, you hate to ever, I'm not going to say real. Those are like the filmmakers that you can touch. Right. And that's mm. what I mean. Like they're the real filmmakers, right? Like you, I can't touch the folks who made Barbie, right? That's, that's going to take, there's like 37 well, bodyguards between me and Barbie. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did have a, I did throw a party. This is years ago. Now I'll look it up is in the early days of film wax and film wax was a film series ho- and hosting before it was a podcast right before it, it started as kind of a film series, but I would also host events. And I, some of the events I would host, DVDs were still a thing back then. Mm-hmm. And when it was, I would do DVD, I found nobody was hosting DVD release parties and I could just do this and I could make a deal with a bar as long as I, like guaranteed a certain amount of, you know. So anyway, long story short, a early Safdie brother film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I nice. approached them, we, we set, I set it up. They're a bit of a headache, but everybody from the whole indie film community showed up at this party. And yeah. It was in the, it was in Manhattan downtown, Lower East Side or whatever. And uh, Greta Gerwig came. Um, you know, it was like I, she was kind of on the rise for even then. Like I knew who she was. I'd seen her in everything. She probably so that was fun. Um, and I'd awesome, seen man. her in a couple of other things. And she did the podcast once with Noah or in tandem with Noah yeah. for. You know, one of the early uh, Francis Ha probably is my guess. That's so cool, man. Yeah, I just that, saw the, a that's review. That's real raw filmmaking. That's what I was just. By the way, about, Nick and yep. and Adam, I just saw yep. a review of um, Uncut Gems before it came out, and it just scathed it. I think it was a New York Times review, huh. and and it just it's one of those things that like. When you go, when you jump out the window on a film and then you, then the world tells you you're wrong, it, it just doesn't age well. It just aged so poorly. And look, I don't know what you guys think about Uncut Gems, but like, uh, I mean, I know it's polarizing, but I think the general consensus is that it's a great movie and that Sandler was fantastic in it and the way it was directed kept you really on the edge of your seat and uncomfortable. Um, speaking of the Safety brothers, but it's, God, I swear that review almost, I just felt so bad. And I was like, oh, oh. man, you, you just lost in one article, you lost all your credibility. It's like, it's fragile like that. Like, you well, don't, unless, unless anything it's like else. you said, though, Chris, it's polarizing. So that person just happened to be on the other pole, right? I think you can <laughs> write a, I think you can write a review in a way in which you talk about the fact you didn't like the film and do it in a way that uh, saves you from the embarrassment of saying the filmmakers don't know what they're doing or the acting is bad or the writing is bad. And now you've put yourself in a place where you don't, you don't know what good film, you don't know what you don't know. Like you don't know what a good line of dialogue is. You don't, you actually can't perceive a good performance when you see it. And that's, and that's really trouble because, and I'll tell this to the filmmakers that are out there, people who uh, are already doing it have been in it for a long time or are aspiring to do it because me and you, Nick, we've been in position to give notes a lot. And one of the 
easiest things to fall into when you're giving notes is to assume that because the person that is that has given usually we're giving notes on scripts assume that the person that wrote the thing is doing something wrong because they're not doing it the way you would have done it and the more creative and the more ideation you have as a person the easier it is to fall into that trap you know how they always say it's easier to hypnotize a really smart person it's easier <laughs> to fall into this trap as a smart person because when you're reading their work all you're saying is oh i would have done this Oh, they should have done that. Oh, I was expecting this. And now all of a sudden you don't like it because you can't see the world that they're creating because it's different from the world you would have created. And you get yourself into a really bad way. I think watching a film also and giving notes on like a finalized film or a film that's in in post, but you're getting that early cut like we sometimes get Nick to watch. Like you have to be, you have to say, what are they going for? And then be, it's almost two kinds of notes, Right. You, there's the note of I liked it or I didn't like it. Like it was for me or wasn't for me. Right. And then there's the note of you should have used a steady cam there. There's the note of this character isn't real to me, even though this is a uh, satire. Cause a certain amount of satire, the characters have to play a, a certain level of straight for it to be funny. And Adam, you can agree with that from a comedy standpoint or not. It's kind of like, okay, that's absurd. Like it's not, you're trying to, it's, it could be funny, but it's so absurd and it's so poorly done that we can't get into the joke because we know it would never, 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 never happen that way. Right. That's a different kind of note. And I just think you have to be careful uh, when someone's doing something really cool or different, but you can't see it because you know, you, you sort of, wouldn't have done it that way. And I bring that up, Adam, because you talked about anatomy of a fall. Mm-hmm. I watched that last night with my, uh, my special other, my wife. And I we watched it, it be a and, bottle of something. Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. Other. I haven't, dude, <laughs> dude, I haven't, I have, I've drank one time in January. Mm. Oh, so you were on I have the, not Jan- had, was it I dry had, January? It, no, it wasn't. It, it oh, really we're wasn't going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> it really, it really, it really wasn't dry. I haven't made any declarations. I don't do resolutions. <laughs> I just was like, like I, I just know that it was like uh, I wasn't even drinking too much. I um, I just felt like it wasn't part of what I was trying to accomplish mm. from a diet and weight standpoint. I drank mm. one time on our uh, buddy's birthday. Uh, Jason McConnell, the writer, Jason yeah. McConnell. Um, on his birthday, I had a tequila and lime, healthiest alcohol you can have. And then I had uh, one beer um, with uh, with some uh, etouffee. Adam has had that today, just so you know. Adam had that in the last few If we're going right? down this this direction, I mean, yeah, I totally, we totally failed. Uh, we, we did cut back quite a bit in January. I mean, not that it was as, as, as we're all defending our, ourselves and, you know, not like we're overdoing it in the first place. But, you know, I look at it completely financially. I'm like, okay, let's see. Every day I'm not spending $20 on a bottle of wine. That's right. Um, anyway. You're right. Yeah. The alcohol is going to, like, if you just go out and drink, wow, you have to spend yeah. right. so much money for the right to be around another human being when you drink that you don't know. Like that's yeah. the fun of going out to drink. When I was at the so bar last time, drink. Adam, there was <laughs> so we it's man. it's it's ten thirty at night, Adam, on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. and I'm at this bar. I think it was like Bar Louie or something like that. 
And I was at this bar and there's a guy across the bar. He's got a laptop and a book. <laughs> it's 1030 at night on a Tuesday. Yeah. And he's working. He's got a spreadsheet going. He's got a book, his phone. I'm like, dude, you've made this bar your office on a Tuesday at 11. This, this, this appears to be a problem. Yeah, they, every, everybody's, everybody's <laughs> got their thing. Exactly. <laughs> so something else that you don't know about. <laughs> That's the old Al Bundy where Al Bundy, uh, shout out to Ed O'Neill. He had to decide between chocolate cake and breasts. He said Choco titties, you know, Choco breasts. That's the solution. Just put them together. I'm like, Al, you did it again. And you're perfect wow. Al Bundy logic. Anyway, Anatomy of a Fall. We're watching it. And at the very end of the movie, I don't want to give anything away. Amazing movie. It is. At the end of it, she turns. She loved it. So I just want to be clear. She turned to me and said, uh, that didn't have a conclusion. And I was like, yes, it did. It concluded quite well. I said, you wanted. So there's a part at the end where she thought a character was lying. That's all I'm going to say. And I said, you wanted that. That was the world you saw for the movie. And because they didn't do it, it didn't conclude for you. That. And that's dear, what I mean by the note. That's it. Sorry. That's what I mean by the note. Oh, I was yeah. going to say that movie is an American movie. This is not an American movie. Right. I'm sorry. There you but go. It's, yep. It happens to be the case. Um, it's a great point. We, yeah. And that's not a, any, you know, um, slur to your, you know, on, on your partner, but, uh, cause, but we're, we're used to this, you know, yeah. I wonder, I could it's talk a bit about anatomy, anatomy of a fall, but I wonder guys, men, can we have an honest conversation about Barbie and not get kicked, you know, like kind of have it bite us in the butt. I think so. Can we talk about Barbie? And, we, we've talked there, about there, it a no, lot. Yeah, oh, I think haven't. it's every. Yeah, everybody's talking about it. It's one of those when even the pink sensation that was happening around Barbie, oh, right. the guys were in it too. I mean, you, if you watched anything on social media, it was everybody was doing pink, right? It was not just this is a women's movie or whatever. It was like this is an everybody movie. Everybody needs to check it out. So yeah, I haven't seen any or felt any stigma associated with talking about Barbie. I mean, even, you know, Bonsai Joe was talking earlier about the fact that, you know, the Ken himself didn't want to be Ken. And there were, you know, and Margot Robbie was like, look, I'll give you a gift every day <laughs> if you do this shoot. If you do this movie, I will give you a gift every single day. Right. And he's in it. He's in it to win it. Well, I think Adam really doesn't mean is there is there sort of a a stigma about men talking about it. But are we allowed as film people to say that Barbie wasn't good or bad? Right, Adam? Is that kind of the. Yeah, I was just like yeah. I had problems with it, although I do feel like I want to watch it again, you know, and give it one at a moment also when I can be fully present to, you know, and really be. Uh, patient and, right. and and try to really view it again um, and and maybe get a different perspective because it, it was I w just wasn't like getting in, into it the first time. Well, my well, wife didn't I, like I, it. I think, I think my sister-in-law didn't like it. sister-in-law famously, <laughs> right. I was going to say famously didn't <laughs> yeah. like it. Did you say they walked out on it, Nick? 
No, they, they didn't do that, but they, okay. I thought no, they no. walked out on them. No, and then my, my daughter didn't like it either. They're, none of them liked it. They were just like, nope, we didn't they get watch that movie. It, it was not yeah. good. And they were like, nope. So, yeah, it's, hmm. I don't know. It, 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 so it All is right. tough, Adam. I get what you're saying. Like, it's tough to be on this island where a movie is universally loved. It is the number one box office movie of 2023. And when you stand on that island and like, yeah, it didn't work for me. Um, it is sort of putting yourself in that, in that weird, in that weird spot, but you're allowed to have that opinion. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, but it's also subjective. Right. But it's of course, but it's also like a very, it's at least being positioned as a very feminist, right? Film. Yeah. 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 Hey, we've been here before Adam. We've been here before. Do you remember wonder woman? Yeah. That was terrible. I didn't mind. <laughs> well, the exactly. first, the, I know the love Gal Gadot. One, no, the first one was bad. The second one oh. was terrible. Right? Okay. Second one but, was really bad. Yeah. But listen, but remember, it was the similar zeitgeist at the time. I mean, every woman in the world went to see Wonder Woman. Again, a little bit different because this one, Barbie, isn't supposed to be just for women, but you know, is what it is. But the first one, it was very feminist. It was a big thing. It was like this is the movie for women. And yeah, I saw that and I was just like, man, I just, I can't with this film. <laughs> you know, it hurt me you know. deep because I grew up watching wonder woman and TV show with my sister. And so I was very nostalgic about wonder woman. I was excited to see the movie. I was personally excited to see that movie because it reminded me of my sister, Michelle and, and she loved it. And, and we had those times together and it just didn't, it didn't meet that nostalgic sort of, moment i wanted it to 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 meet but i don't know adam what did you not like about barbie let's just can we just start there it didn't make a lot of sense honestly to me and it was um all it looked like just it was trying very hard but i just i maybe you know again i bring up maybe my my current state of mind to it i mean you know maybe yeah. i it, maybe i should have seen that movie in a movie theater you know like that might oh have you didn't watch very, in the theater right I and did. I, I, it totally makes a big have, difference. Yeah, I could see that with the, with this particular movie. Yeah, you know? and I would tell people if you, you didn't watch Oppenheimer in the theater, you you've made a mistake there too. Yeah. Well, it looks like you know people are laughing, enjoying it as a you know group. You get your yeah. bucket of popcorn. You're having a good time. Maybe that really would have made it for a very different experience. So you're you're at yeah. It's yeah, a I think and, and having other people react. Right. It's a very human thing. And then you start to understand and get a sense. It's almost like you're doing your own um, uh, field study on human behavior and human reaction. And you can find out how far outside of of the norms you are, the current norms you are. That's not right or wrong, by the way. It's just at some point you find yourself looking at people and saying, why are you doing that? Like I've become Larry David. Like I become, I've become a curmudgeon. I am, I am, I am irascible at times. And it's just because the world is changing and people are doing things that I, that I despise. And I think uh, generally we've (laughs) lost our sense of shame. Uh, Case in point, the AI uh, images, grotesque AI images of Taylor Swift that rolled out yesterday. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just goes on and on. Like, it's just like, I look at them like, why, who, what are we doing? Like, and I have become this, this irascible sort of apoplectic Larry David curmudgeon guy. And I'm okay with it. 
But I, but, but when I go into the world, I can see how far away I am, you know, you know, from that. Now, here's what I'll say about Barbie. I'm cool if you don't get it. <laughs> Adam, what you said makes sense to me. Like if you didn't grow up playing with Barbies and you didn't have any connection to the movie and let's say you got biased by stories in, in advance and you didn't watch it in the theater. Right. And maybe you just felt like, you know, what, what, like the setup even, right. Um, was sort of too sort of on the nose politically and all these things. That's fine. What I, what I, and this goes back to what I was saying a moment ago about how to give a proper note and how not to fall into the intellectual trap of, that's not how I would have done it. So therefore you're bad. Was it shot? Well, yes. Was it acted? Well, it was acted incredibly. I thought Ryan Gosling stole the whole movie, right? Like those things are, are part of what you have to look at if you um, are going to review a movie. So yes, maybe I don't like it, but I have to say that the filmmaking and the acting, the score, all of that was, I don't know, top flight. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? I definitely reviewed films. Uh, I used to write reviews before I started the podcast for a few years. And that's right. What, what was I the did, what? Who did you write for? You told me this before. Who did you? Oh, I mean, um, yeah, a few different a few different publications. I, I mean, um, online publications and. Um, you know, I would, and then I started doing some interviews for like the, I guess the most probably recognizable one is um, the Tribeca Film website. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. Inter- I did we didn't do interviews. I wasn't re- re- reviewing films for them, but I was reviewing films for these other sites and had a very, I'm sure, very small audiences. But it was a good practice, you know. Yeah. And um, even though I didn't love it, I thought, why nobody's reading me? There's, I wouldn't even choose <laughs> read me. I reading, you know. Come on now, there's, Adam. There's some very, but I did like. I would compare my perspective to other people who I respected, and that was who, who were your guys? Was it was it Peter Travers? Was it Siskel Eber? No, I never thought much of him actually. Um, which, which no, point? I mean, I I grew up going to summer camp with Tony Scott, who was AAO Scott, who used yeah, to be yeah. the chief critic of you know film critic so that was one there were a few mm-hmm. other guys i don't really remember um nicholas report there are a few uh that and i would just sort of afterwards kind of compare and read their reviews and see where you know we've sort of overlapped or whatever in terms of our perspective of the film or what came up right, you know right which points and anyway and um but that was that was it was true but because i could like or not like a movie and it was rare when i would tear into a film. Like if I didn't like it, I would just try not to review it. But if I had to, Oh, that's interesting. I would that's try interesting to always see this, see the, as good as the perspective as I could and try not to tear it apart. There were very only handful where I was just like, no, this is a really manipulative piece of garbage. And I don't want people to make a mistake <laughs> of spending a dime on that particular film. You know, yeah, it's yeah. very, you know, cynical, cynically made or whatever, you know, but, um, what was the yeah, first no, movie I, you reviewed? I, do you remember the oh, first review? No, no. I, um, it was some f- documentary, probably if I'm obscure documentary. Yeah, that was at the Tribeca Film Festival or something like that. I guess because like I'm that. thinking to myself, like there in the world of reviewing, uh-huh. there are people like I, I. I tend to remember Siskel, for example, being growing yeah. up watching him. I love their show, right. and it's a strange thing for it. I was very young. It's a strange thing for me at that age to have loved like. Like appointment viewing for me was watching Siskel and Ebert's review show, but um, 
he oh. tended to be a, I would say, someone who who reviews negative. He's oh, like he he reviewed. Yeah, Siskel. He reviewed more movies on the negative side than the positive side. And I thought Ebert was the the mirror of that, where hmm. he was more favorable to a film uh, on average. It doesn't mean Siskel didn't have great reviews uh, for movies, and it didn't mean Ebert pan, didn't pan anything. Um, but um, I do find that certain reviewers, like Peter Travers loves everything, it feels like, for right. example. So yeah. and well, he, he feels like he's writing for, like – like like as like a, almost like a a teenage girl or something. Yes, no, no disrespect yes, yeah. to teenage girls, but he, he's like he gets excited about things that <laughs> you're, dude. You're seventy years old. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Just like it's yeah. bizarre. But I was never yeah. a big fan of his. Well, yeah, because I, you you felt like at least for me, I felt like I I I wasn't sure if I was going to get an honest take from him. You know what I mean? Like, is is right. this? I, can I trust this review? is, is what I would get from Peter. So, um, and again, no, no disrespect to teenage girls, no disrespect to Rolling Stone who he wrote or no, and, and not to him either. Right. It's just, he wasn't my kind of guy. I like Roper. Roper mm-hmm. seems really objective. Um, I know he's supposed to sort of carry the torch for Ebert, but I, I, I like those reviews. I, yes. I love Metacritic. So I'm a big yeah. guy. Uh, I'm a big Metacritic fan. So I'll tell people if you're not going to like do an account on Letterboxd and really get two feet in, like yeah. be Metacritic instead of IMDb or uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Like, mm-hmm. cause at least Metacritic sort of has a panel for users so they can get a user score. And then they have a scoring system for all professional criticism. And then they can score that. And you can sort of juxtaposition those scores and say, it's, it makes it so easy to find a movie to watch. They also do games and music mm-hmm. and, um, you know, outside of my connection to N- NPR um, and and um, and and W, uh, uh, I think it's WXMP Nashville, where I f- f- do sort of new music discovery. Metacritic is awesome. I mean, awesome for new music discovery because hmm. when you go to their top 100 list, you're going to be able to pill th- those top 20 albums of the year. Half of them you hadn't heard of. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you're delving deep into, into indie folk because there's some guy or gal who had, yeah. I think, I think Metacritic introduced me to Laura Veers way back in the day. Like what a gift. I, I'll right. listen when to she Laura Veers. To, she was married to somebody in like uh, drive by truckers. I only know yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. this <laughs> stuff now because, um, because I work at a radio station and we are in a truly independent radio station and it's very diverse and eclectic the playlist but or the you know music we play but it's 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 um it's it's a lot of guys with you know man uh, depressive guys with <laughs> yeah, <of> course. <laughs> but there's also a lot of world music we play a lot of blues jazz you know the whole nine a lot of nina simone a lot of you know but a lot of banjo guys a lot of a lot of groups americana whatever you want to call it and it's great though there's some amazing stuff a lot of so great much. singers female singer songwriters you never know because you only get you know, you know, kind of like the top tier people that are played on mainstream radio. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to have the time to, you know, you have to love it. So you have to take the time to really dig it down further and find all those other amazing artists. And those. But that's true in film, too. It's the exact same thing, right? People watch Netflix or they're watching Hulu mm-hmm. or they're watching Amazon Prime video and they're seeing whatever the 
top whatever films that are algorithmically, <laughs> you know, put in front of most people's face. And but you got to take the time, and that's where, of course, I come in, where you come in, and uh, we're talking about. At least I know I do lots of films that hopefully people check out, but they're not necessarily. I don't need to do an episode on Barbie because. Everybody's going to see that. No. Yeah, they're they're going. They don't need you. Uh, you know, Nick mentioned how popular the Ken song was. Part of it is it's a great song, uh, Disney level great. So great in the Disney right. way, right? Like not yeah, not sure. great, not great in the um, you know sort of you know philosophically deep. Uh, it's not self John Stevens, right? No, but but, well, but, but it's a hook. Book. And, and then a big yeah. piece of it is the marketing, right? Like the money spent sure. to put the song on TikTok. So all the people that were the right. sort of the fans and the, the, the intended audience of the song would, would hear it. Um, so there is some merit to that, but you're right. Like what does Barbie need us for? But speaking of Netflix, I mean, I think they've done a good job over the last three years, sort of having Oscar worthy films. The thing I don't like is that they will, they don't put those films out in front of people. You mentioned the algorithm. They don't like, like, I don't think people open Netflix and see Maestro. That's a Netflix movie. Hmm. That's an, yeah, that, they, that's they an they amazing movie. It's you you can watch it on Netflix right now if you have it. Right. You want to see character pieces? Did, Nick, watch did Maestro. you see it? Did I see I it? Seen yes. I haven't no, seen Maestro Nick. yet. Oh, Nick. oh, interesting. Yeah, really, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I loved it. Yeah. I, I, you know. I loved it. And there's a, uh, they smoke so much. In the movie, I've never. Well, I, I, I guess people smoked like that, Adam. You know? Oh, the smoking, yeah. yeah. Well, I also the guy that the director, his name is Guy Nativ, who made this film called Golda about Golda Meir. The, mm-hmm. I mean, I said to him, "What was the cigarette budget on that film alone?" That had to be like because <laughs> she smokes nonstop from the beginning to the end, much like yes. Leonard Bernstein does. You know, yeah, like the the cigarette budget had to be unless it's like you know CG. Well, I was going to ask either either CG or have they come up with a better like a non-cigarette cigarette? So it looks like right. a cigarette and it smokes yeah, like right. a cigarette, but it's not really yeah, a cigarette because these those are people, questions. Yeah. This is an episode. This is a podcast stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Gold and Leonard and Maestro, we got to figure it out. Yeah, right. I, the, so, the Golda was with Helen Mirren, unrecognizable. So I think you know you probably saw something about it at some point. It's uh, well. I don't know how many, how many of these Oscar worthy are, but like, I don't know. I don't even know if I should, I don't know, describe them that way. How many of these movies have you seen this year? Year Is Anatomy of a Fall like your movie? Is that the, Oh, is that um, your, I'm, is that the, the jury's best out? The jury's out. I would say I, I would love the second half of Oppenheimer or this, you know, um, I was, uh, I found it actually, I would not choose it as the, my, you know, best picture, even though it will win it. Mm. Um, yeah, I think so too. Uh, I mean, there's no way it's not going to, <laughs> yeah. I would, I thought Keller's of the flower moon was better than that. So it's between right now. And I still have, what is it called? The gravity, uh, the, the, um, there's uh, one more, the Nazi movie, but it's by zone of interest, zone of interest. Zone of, Zone of interest. I don't know. Where I, I, I love I, the zone of interest is such. And okay. that is a um, it, it, it shouldn't win. It, it's not better than Oppenheimer. It's not better than Anatomy no? of the Fall. It's not okay. better than a lot of the movies that at least in my opinion, oh. but it does something that none of the other movies do. 
it does something really amazing. And I, well, look, I don't want to blow anything, but the setup of it is, and okay. have you been, have you no. ever, have you ever uh, been to Auschwitz in, in, in Poland, Adam? No, I've been to one camp in, in uh Czech, the Czech Republic. Got it. I, so I went to Auschwitz. Uh, Producer Papa Bear was there with me, actually, and, oh uh, and and a big group of us. Yeah, we went this last year, and oh, to wow. go to go there is it, it's a. Uh, I hate to talk about like it's a vacation spot. It's not, but it is life changing like that. It is. It, it will change your life. You you can't imagine some of these dum dums online that think that it didn't happen. Or that it's all a well, it's all a tinfoil yeah, hat it's, government ploy. Doesn't that go let's there? Not give them any, yeah, like yeah, like it's it, them any, like it's yes. Right. Let's not. It's it's ridiculous because when you go there and you see how um, when you see the largesse of the camp, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you just understand that that um, this was a terrible terrible. I mean, it is as big as I guess a hundred football fields, maybe more. It, it's wow. gigantic. Gigantic, and uh, yeah, it's a gigantic place, and um, it's a depressing place. And in the movie, um, that seems to be based on a true story. One of the uh, command, German command, Nazi command, and his family lived directly on the other side of the of the brick wall that I was there. Saw as a real wall, yeah. Directly on the other side, their family had sort of a residential situation happening, and over the wall you can hear the screams of okay. of victims. Right. Yet the mother and the children are living like they're in, like like they're living in uh, Santa Barbara. They're in Santa Monica. Right. They're, right. they're like they here's someone over here being tortured. Here's me making sure my grass is perfectly green and look at the vegetables I'm growing here. Come to our pool. They'd be inviting people. Look how beautiful the setup is. And it's surreal. It's a a study on compartmentalization that humans can do. So I haven't seen that. And I haven't seen the, the Argos Lanthimos, you know, film. I haven't seen that. that, What is That's, um, but here's where I'm gonna. I'm blanking again on no, just with uh, yeah, Google away. No, with um, Emma Stone. Come on. Oh, poor things. Poor things. Of course. So Very polarizing. I haven't seen poor things yet. Very polarizing. But, Have you seen poor yeah. things? Nope. No, you haven't I seen. You, okay. Right. Poor no, things. I had told you. I put. Two. I put my time into all those shorts, man. Like that's where I'm at. Like oh, there's the some short. of those. And, yeah. and the reason, and I just let you know, the reason is, is because I'm really like almost like 100% in it's like two feet in on, I guess you call it just the indie filmmaker. Right. And yeah, that's yeah. what you get when you watch those short films in the docs, you're getting people who are telling unique cultural and very personal stories. Yeah, whereas yeah, yeah. what you're getting with, uh, you know, a number of these, the features when we're talking about, you're getting a lot of adapted screenplays that come from stories that have been told, right. They're books. They're these things, these, books, these bombastic yeah. characters or bombastic IP and I just don't, I just don't gravitate to them now. You know, so no, that's, yeah, yeah. that's that's my thing. So yeah, I, I put a lot of time in watching the short films and even some of the, um, you know, they, they're, there's some series out there, some animated series that are just phenomenal now as well that I that I get into. Well, the movie you're gonna like, Nick, is called uh, The Boy and the Heron. Yeah, no, that's the one. That's the one that's on that my is, list. That, I'll tell you that's that. an incredible yep. movie. 
And yeah. it's just an incredible movie. Like you, like it, it, it competes with, you know, anything else that's out there, even though it's, it's animated. So do watch that for sure. Yeah. Poor things. You could almost view it as an animated movie. <laughs> the, the, the costume designer should win an award point blank period. And if there's any pushback I give you, Nick, on, on your take on that, cause I, I really agree with everything you're saying. I think it's totally fine. And Adam, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but it's like what that does is it sort of creates a, a, a demarcation point or wall between all the people who work in that creative side of film that would not have an opportunity. In it. Like a costume designer doesn't have a whole lot of opportunities in, in, in sort of New York times docs, right? Like they don't have that opportunity. There is no makeup artist. Those people don't get any consideration now. Adapting a screenplay is not easy. Like, so all those people are now pushed to the side. Like, I think we have to also appreciate and watch that work. Like American fiction comes from this book called Erasure. And it's one of my favorite movies I watched this year. It's way, way up there. Um, American fiction. Yeah. I think, I think it's about, it's about Jeffrey Wright is amazing. Yeah, it's for me. It's like I said, it's this resonance, and like, that's an indie filmmaker because Court Jefferson I, yeah, has never made I a film turn before. Turn the TV on. Yeah, for me, it's like when I turn that stuff on, or if I go to the theater, it's like, what is for my spirit, right? Like, what do I want to mm-hmm. see? And I think for me, it's yeah, yeah. really about those raw stories um, from an individual perspective. He likes it raw, cultural, ex- mm-hmm. cultural perspectives. <laughs> but I think so. But there are stories that I like that are well that are difficult for me, and I'm going to say this. So yeah. like. Again, I like cultural things, unique perspectives. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to watch Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm. I have, I debate it all the time. Like I think it's going to be a phenomenal movie. Like I, the, the cast of it, right. it just seems like something that I should watch. But at the same time, it's very difficult for me to watch something like that because of the depiction of what's happening. Right? It is yeah. that realism. It is that Auschwitz. Man, I tell you, boy in the striped pajamas sticks with me to this day right like ah, i don't i don't know if i'm ready to have that on my spirit right now even though it's fair you got self-care we talked about self-care you got it that's it that's that's my Mm -hmm. point so that's why i kind of especially a short film they can get you they can teach you something they can make you feel something i'm telling you you know this pachyderm film this animated short it yeah yeah, it got all up in my spirit you know, but it was a shorter <laughs> period of time it, and it I can you. talk about it. Yeah, I can talk about it and then move on. But to sit for two and a half, three hours in Killers of the Flower Moon, that is, you know, it's it's tough for me. Yeah. Three and a half, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there it's, you it's go. Yeah, three and yeah. a half. There's a, there's yeah. a certain yeah. amount of, are, of, of misery, right? I guess that yeah. you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And I think you do have to be like, I go through, again, we were talking about how we go through our cycles and our, you know, of, of, of enthusiasm in this, but also like when I can watch, so I'll go through periods of watching like foreign films. I'll just start eating up French films, you know, Italian, Spanish, Korean, whatever, you know, and then I just hit a wall and, you know, like yeah, I just yeah. got to watch like American light, lighthearted American films or, and that's all I want or just episodic or whatever. I don't know. You know, you watch a lot of content. That's what happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's amazing. What's the Unless worst thing you've seen? And then which case if you get, what's that? What's the worst thing you've seen? Oh my year? gosh. The worst thing I've seen? Oh, I don't, yeah. that's a, oh, I don't even. I was telling, I was telling Adam earlier, Nick, on a little I'm break so we careful. had. <laughs> yeah, that, right. Uh, the only movie I walked out on was Freddie Got Fingered with Tom Green. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now that's well, the worst movie I've seen ever, maybe, but, um, 
this year for me, I'll just be, I'll be brave for you, Adam. I'll start. Worst movie I saw this year was probably, it's probably John Wick four, man. And it, 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 it looks like a billion dollars, man. Mm-hmm. It looks so good. Whoever does Foley in editing for that movie should win all the awards, every award, not just an Academy award, every award. Within the first 20 minutes of John Wick 4, you have to imagine that there are at least 15,000 Foley sounds that have to be edited and added. Oh, my God. Right. I mean, it is it is it is a masterpiece of editing, choreography and Foley. The story. Just and the acting. Nope. Adam, I'm going to tell you the worst movie that I saw this year was Uncut Gems. Oh, wow, it was terrible. So it wasn't. No, you said the worst movie I've watched this year. It was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it was, I, it was I should have said I from this year. I should have said joking. from this year. I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> no, but what is the worst movie you've seen from this year? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I, it's, it's, I don't know if I have a worse movie. I don't. And I, cause I'm, it's kind of like what Adam was saying. I'm very discerning. I don't have time. To waste, you know, so it's like, yeah. oh, you, 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 pick, you curate picky. well enough where, oh. you know, now yeah, we've watched 100%. some films from, from the indie world this year that we're not adding well, intentionally we to this category we would that wouldn't be that. fair to them because those movies were made for $30,000 or nothing, right? <laughs> right. And Adam or nothing. Adam, I don't know. How many movies do you watch from like your, like the indie film community? I know you do a lot of work in the festival space, by the way festivals if you do anything in film just go to film festivals it is so much fun just to go to random yes. film festivals Adam. totally love that i but, love but that yes it's one of my favorite things to do and Me nick too. i know you feel the same way um yep. it's great when we can work there and 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 pick up a little uh you know a, a, a little uh per diem at the same time but uh, but adam do you watch any of these like true indies like lo- less than five hundred thousand? Dollar budget sort of. Sure. Yeah. 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 For sure. I do. Um, I was just trying, and some of them really are terrible. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I agreed finally to uh, be on the committee. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I just, I can't because I work full time go to like Sundance. I can't go. I used to go every year to yeah. like 10 festivals. I, I can probably go to one or two or three if I really make a point of it. But now I'm also in a relationship. So if I have time off, I, you think I'm going to spend my days off? On my own at a festival? No, I mean, you know, it's, it's, we're traveling. We want to do something together. So if I can incorporate it here and there, that's great, but I'm not getting to festivals like I used to. Of course, many festivals have an online version, a component, mm-hmm. yep. especially maybe if you're a press industry. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there's a couple up, up here. And uh, this year I'm actually may make it to the Nantucket Film Festival. The oh, woman nice. runs it is a neighbor of mine and she lives nearby and we have people we know um, there and we may actually be able to, we have a place to stay. So I may be doing that and that would be fun. I've never been. Shout so. out to Jonathan Burkhart who runs yeah. the Nantucket film festival up there. He's a friend of you ours. Know him. Oh well, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The Burkharts are up, right up our neighbors. And um, also, and the woman who, run, who actually, uh, her name is, uh, mystique, Miss, mystique, uh, Brad, 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 or something. He's a, <laughs> it's very mystical indeed. He's got y'all tripped up. She's Brad, Bradbury. She has a very uh, difficult name to, to pronounce. She's, she kind of is, uh, is the 
top dog there though. But oh yeah, I think, okay. I think Steve, Bert, I think John was a founder of the festival. Mm-hmm. He was. He was. Okay. I met John and, in a hot tub in Puerto Rico. I'll leave it at that. Okay now. Right. <laughs> him, Don't leave out any details. Him right. and, he's, he's, him he's, and he's, his wife. He's, Adam got close to the mic. He got close to the <laughs> <Say> what? <laughs> right. Hot tub Puerto Rico? Let's talk about it. Right. As the sun was setting on the beach. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, anyway. Continue. Yeah. So festivals Absolutely. I don't know. I mean, I'm almost, it's not like I am that uh, precious about, you know, not tr- trashing a film. I'm, I, if I could think of something, but I really go out of my way to avoid seeing stuff that I think is going to be. So the only ones that I would be, uh, if I wish there was like a mainstream Hollywood movie that I c- could remember, those I have no problem saying that was awful. Mm-hmm. Like John Wick 4. I haven't seen it, but I probably would probably, you know, would have that reaction to it. It's almost but, three but hours long. Too. I don't want to do that to an independent film because, you know, nobody's seeing the. You know, it's, nobody makes an. Ind- I've always said this for all the all, all the time I've been doing the podcast. Nobody goes into making an independent film like wanting to make anything but a great movie. Like this is their passion project. I won't say that about John Wick Four. That is just a pure cynical. Um, not saying it can't have entertainment value and great entertainment value, but it's made. It's a manufactured thing. It's got, you know, it's own. it's, there's nothing that it's presenting typically. Uh, so I don't have a problem criticizing that kind of movie and nobody's listening anyways. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, with the, with the independent films, I, and then there, I do see a lot of ones that are really flawed and I just, you know, I ignore them. You know, yeah. they don't make it into the festival. It was like, so I'll be watching some, some of those, I'm sure, in the next few months for the Woodstock Film Festival. But I also write, you asked me earlier what I do, and I also do, um, I write, you know, I'll write synopses yeah. um, for the website, for the program, and I'm not the only one doing that. And then I, I, at the festival, that's when I get really busy because I'm, I'm doing their podcast live. We're doing, you know, I'm also, my radio station goes there and does stuff, interviews, so they um, I want to do that too. I want to do some doing, live stuff. Yeah. Love to doing talk a lot of Q and A's and I'm doing a lot of, you know, Q and A's and intros for films, you know, so it, it's great. It's a lot of fun and I get to meet a lot of great people. It's, it's, it's like you said, it's a fun place to see films. And I yeah, used to I love going to South by and just seeing tons of films and yeah. Yeah, and the we festival. Circuit, I got, I got a question. Yet. We got to go about there, that. Yeah, we do. But I, I got a question about the festival. So Chris and I, we are jurors uh, at a couple of different film festivals. Okay. And one of the things that we've talked about, and I know that Chris, I think Chris is pretty good about this, or you know, routinely good about this, which is when we watch these films, we we give notes, right? We're very particular, especially when it comes to grading yeah. them. You know, being very specific mm-hmm. about certain yeah. things and making sure we're measuring right, them course, against each other. Sure. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know how many jurors actually give notes, and I wonder if you ever do that. And I was just thinking, if that's something that we should be kind of advocating for, like, so like the films that don't get in the festival are they, do they know why? Right. Like that's the part that I feel like. uh, Yes. Okay. So you're there just for everybody's clarification and people that may be listening, we got, we're talking about two different things. One is being a screener or Mm -hmm. a programmer. You watch a film, you decide whether or not it should make it into a particular festival. When a person, when a filmmaker submits or production company, whatever submits a film and, they're paying a fee in most cases, not every case. They are 
um, they, in return, get a couple of things. One is you guarantee that someone is with, you know, rooting for you is watching the film. Mm -hmm. The other thing is if you want feedback, you get feedback. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why the film didn't get in. Um, so then a juror is looking at films that are already gotten in. That's right. Right. And, and one of the ways filmmakers come out of festivals, uh, with, with, with real currency is, 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 is like an award and it helps the film a lot to have those, you know, those laurels, um, laurels. Thank you. And then, so as a juror, I don't know that you you need to give feedback you meet with the other jurors and you all vote on you know you have to see all the films in your category and then you have to vote on which you mm -hmm. think should get the award and the ones that don't i don't think you owe them anything so typically but well nick i, I don't know if you know this but one of the reasons i do it is for the other judges and jurors like i want them to know why i gave this an eight or a four um, right. Like, well, you're, so, you're, so, so, yeah. So part of it's for the filmmaker and part of it's for the judge. Like, amazing. like, look, yep. if I can put this together in one yeah. or two sentences, why, like what worked for me and what didn't. And again, I've, I've also sort of yeah. developed a different rubric. I do not judge an independent film that's in a small film festival or, uh, you know, like, let's say just outside of the top, let's say, uh, 5% film festivals. Right. I don't judge that movie the way I would judge uh, a major motion picture that's going to have worldwide distribution. Um, I just, I just think it's a different animal. The resources are different. Um, the way you have to, a lot of these films don't even, they don't even hire a casting director, right? Like, so the, it's just a whole different world. Some of it's guerrilla filmmaking. Totally. So I look at it from a different light and then, I can say to the judges, like, so we had this in, in one of our things, Nick, before uh, this last year where we were judging. And it was like, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, we were talking to another juror. It's like, well, yeah, but, but you're comparing it to like the best version of that. Right. Like, right. That, at least there was one film like that for me. It's like, okay, you're yep. comparing it to the best version of that. But this movie didn't have Ryan Gosling in it. Exactly. So, <laughs> yep. so we have to look at this a little different um and it, and, and i am uh, you know we were talking about this earlier adam about like you review a movie are you mostly a negative reviewer or mostly a positive reviewer you tend to skew over time you you one way or the other on average i would say on average i skew to the positive side and i would just say because you know three feature films in handful of short films in you kind of know how hard it is to do and what kind of collaborative leap you have to make to get there. And so I end up having, uh, and, and admittedly like soft heart for these movies. And Nick has always been a great counter to that. That's why we're such a, a great one, two punches jurors, because I think he on, on consistently will give something one star lower than I will on, on average on movies. Uh, and, and I have a rule where I never pick seven. Cause I think seven's the, the bailout number <laughs> seven's the number uh, that, by the way, if, if for anyone listening, if you ever submit your script to a reader, a Hollywood reader, they will always give you a seven. You will always give you a seven. And if it's a 50 point scale, they'll give you a 35. Always. <laughs> it's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. 
And it's seven, the 50 and point s- scales version of the seven. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you, you will, you will get a seven. Because the the seven go. is, the seven is don't quit, but it's not good enough. Right. So what, what really helps a writer is, is it a six? That means I'm pretty far away. Or is it an eight? That means I'm real close. Seven. Get the seven out of here. <laughs> get, he's a get it out of there. Yeah. yeah. And I think, but so here for, um, from my perspective, also from the, the juror or actually, Maybe both the screener and the juror. So usually it's not just one person, right? So yeah. Adam, from your perspective, should you have that conversation up front as a team? What are we judging based on? Oh, right? yeah. What you know? That's what because Chris, you and I have been caught in this because we feel like yeah. some films have been judged against Hollywood, and that's unfair at a film. Festival some ju- some films have been films. judged against locality. Exactly. Oh no, so, no, no, no. This is this is this is a New York filmmaker. They they need to win if they're in contention. It's like yeah, yeah. It so, wasn't the best movie. Yeah. So we won't yeah, we won't I'm go there. I agree with that. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, so, I'm so New York centric. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> but what well, was a screener, which is not fun work. It's just not right. Um, you get. I mean, I guess you know it can be nice. You get maybe if you get a badge mm-hmm. uh, as a result of your work or get paid. I did get paid by some festivals. Um. And I, w- I don't do it for free anymore. I wouldn't do it for free because it's Amen. really not fun. That's right. It's a lot. It takes a lot of time. A lot of it's time. a lot of your time, and it's a lot of bad films yep. or just <laughs> flawed films. So, but the, I'm the only one seeing it, and if I kill it, it's dead. Nobody's going to see it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Now, if I say it's good, and I good enough, if it's a seven, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I pass it up to, I'll pass it up to the programming committee. And they're the ones that are generally, you know, they're they're making the decision or the programmer if it's okay. a small festival, yeah. you know. And so I I'd rather be programming because you're soliciting films. You're going to Sundance, you're going to, you know, the Hamptons, you're going to, you know, whatever. There's a bunch of festivals, right? Yeah. And or if you're really lucky, you go to Cannes or you go to Berlin or you go to, you know, TIFF and mm-hmm. and then you so let you then you chase after then you're dealing with a whole other thing but there might be people your other people you you go back to and you hash it out and you create that criteria you're talking about yeah. with a as a screener most of the films they're dying it with me if i'm a screener or whoever right. the screener is right. it's dying with yep. them if it, they don't like it you know nine out of ten times that's the end of it for that festival yeah, yeah. um and that's fine Plus those um, other festivals you mentioned, Adam, those are all markets. Whereas, right. whereas the ones where you're the, right. Where, where the ones where you're the only screener, right. this is the end of the, you, this is the end of the road. And, and I think sometimes as indie filmmakers, we convince ourselves that every film festival is a potential market. And mm-hmm. while that in theory is true, uh, in practice, or it doesn't in seem to theory work. can it's, be right. Yeah. It's like, it's like the socialism of thought processes. Like it's great on paper. And then you try to do it. It's not, it, it's not, it doesn't work the way you want it to work because the human beings, they intervene. So, um, so the <laughs> sa- same thing that happens at film festivals, like all the horror stories of film festivals that we've heard from filmmakers where they meet sharky people all come from film festivals that aren't markets, but the, but the filmmaker thought it was. Hmm. It's so it's, uh, it's not that it's going to be sharky and it's not that it's that you're going to have a bad experience. Like I just said a few months ago, there's nothing more fun than going to these film festivals. It's just a blast. 
it, it is, is just an absolute blast. And you see movies. We should mention there are generally seen. parties and there are, you know, it's yeah. fun and it's very social. So it's fun. social. Yeah, exactly. Parties, drinks, all kinds of good times can be had. Yeah. And, you know, you could, it's almost like your own version of wedding crashers. Um, take, read into that what you will. But it's, it's what the point is, is that it's a good time. But if you're a filmmaker, you do have to understand, is this a known market for, you know, deal making? Or is this the festival it's, I can get into? a filmmaker, into? right. You need to know the festival, but you can always make deals, even if it's a small festival. You, it's a networking opportunity for filmmakers. There's no downside to film going to film festivals for, as a filmmaker. Um, you, you, you know, you need to know which ones are really legitimate. Other than that, there's no harm. I mean, you know, going to different film festivals because uh, you're going to meet other filmmakers. You're going to meet other programmers. You're going to you're you're going to meet you're going to meet programmers. You're going to meet journalists. You're going to meet uh, cinematographers and uh, screenwriters. It's a fantastic place to expand your horizons. You and, and Adam, is that is that the primary yeah. place? Because I was doing some some having some conversations online about where people go. Like, what do people do to to meet each other as filmmakers? Like, what's the best social for filmmakers? What are the best platforms? And you know, I've heard a lot of people say the you know, number one seems to be either making things to meet people. Right, you're, you're on a set, right. you're working. The second yeah. one being film festivals. The third one was like different meetups. But have you are you familiar with a lot of those? Like, are those really mm. popping off, or like people doing meetups and getting together to? Talk I don't know. Them? I mean, in a big city, you're going to get you know where there's a film community. Yes, there are meetups. Like New York City, there were several different types of meetups. I went. I used to go to a couple of them, but I'm not a filmmaker. But I would you know be looking for guests or yep. looking for you know, and I just like people that are in the film industry, you know. <laughs> and then, um, but I don't know. I'm sure there's, you know, it may not be that typical in most cities because there just isn't much of a film community in most cities even la you're not gonna that's it's a whole other industry there right plus everybody plus everybody's in the in this industry like every time i go to la i mean everybody's doing what you're doing yeah no matter Uh, so if they are i don't don't think i don't think it's that easy but i think festivals are your best bet and there are a few other types of film you know event type things and oh the screenings film series um go to them if you're and almost every town and city now has film has a film festival and year round they program film series mm-hmm. and other kinds of events and parties and uh talks and all sorts of things get on all of your film festivals within a you know maybe 20 miles whatever your you know radius is and just get on their mailing lists and go to events and you'll, you'll start seeing familiar faces and you'll get to know people and you'll connect. And that's great. You know, so it's, more. you gotta be careful on those mailing lists though, Adam. Okay. Yeah. You sign up for like 20 of them and all of a sudden you, you've just killed yourself. Oh, I your, see. your life and is you, over. Or you, I thought you were going to say you end up on the make, uh, you know, the make it podcast or something. <laughs> right. well, <laughs> well, yeah, well, look, I mean, hopefully, but, but if, if, if it, if it, you know, if it merits it, warrants it, but it's, but the problem with it, with email is that you have to, now you have to curate it. Cause if you, if you sign them to too many it's lists, hard. then all yeah. of a sudden you're getting like a, an email from, from Walmart and you don't know why you're like, what? I didn't sign up for Walmart. Okay. Oh, they sold your, they sold your information. It's a lot of work. It's a lot to do. Yeah. But, but yeah. I, you so know, curate the list is, all, is what I'd say. Yeah. But if you're right, you have to be cautious, uh, 
yeah, approach it a little bit thoughtfully. And but if you live in um, Philadelphia, if you live in Nashville, or if you live in um, Santa Monica, or if you live in I don't know, there's just different. Like I was just in Palm Springs or mm-hmm. wherever. There's a film community, tiny. Yeah, but there are festivals and it's good to get on the mailing lists and know what's going on. So, but you're going to have to travel more in most cases, you know, Austin yeah. is a good town, but there's, you know, that's really good. I was told though, earlier this week, people Nick, need that, filmmakers. They need each other, right? That's the, yes, that's the idea. Yeah, yeah. You got a community, community Commun- real community. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the whole thing. Yes. I, right. I was told earlier this week, guys, that the Newport beach film festival is one of the best festivals in the country. Okay. Has anyone been there? Yep. There Has you anyone go. been to Newport Beach? I'm on so many. <laughs> no. All right. Well, I, I just didn't know because okay. I, I would. If anybody out there has been to that festival, let me know why it's the best film festival. Let us know why it's the be- yeah. best film festival. One of the best. What's Stockholm Festival? I know it's a very rich place, but which I one? Don't, uh, oh, Newport, Newport Beach. Beach. I, yeah, but I don't sure. know why. It'd well, be a great Palm Springs festival. too. I'm sure they, ha- they. Well, they have a lot of money. That means they get a lot of great films, and because people love going to film. Filmmakers want to go to those festivals where they get paid. They're getting a comfortable hotel room. They're mm-hmm. getting rides. They're going to parties. It's fun. Yep. And, yeah. you know, so, yeah, it's, it's no doubt it's a good film festival. And they get good programmers at those places. How do you guys um, do it at, the, at, the, at Woodstock, Adam? Like, do you, do you guys put up of like a block of hotels for A-listers? How do you attract A-listers? Oh, yeah, there's a few that will get put up in a hotel, but mostly volunteer homes and things like that. They don't have a much of a, that big of a – but it's a very, in, like, uh, now seasoned or, you know, whatever. Uh, film festivals, actually, we're having our 25th anniversary this fall. So mm. it's a milestone. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, sh- go ahead. Shall we wind it down? Oh, well, I was going. Well, I was going to say let's. Oh. Just, we better bring in Papa Bear for a thing oh. we should know, and then wind it oh. down after that. Yeah. If you if you have time, Adam, because I you look, I I want to show you know your audience the best of the Make It podcast, and it wouldn't be great if you, they didn't know we had this wonderful segment with producer Papa let's Bear. Let's do it. So let's do it. But we'll make it look. We'll we'll make it quick. Well, yeah, we'll be brief. Producer Papa Bear hit us with a thing we should know. This is seasonal. We should all be able to get this. Probably (laughs) more so than the rest of us. (laughs) He always says that, Adam. It's like the most obscure. No, this is an easy one. Who is the the person who has won the most Oscars? Now I know wow. that Scorsese has the most nominations of any director now because of Killers. Yeah, he made that just this year. Mm. Um, but winning, winning, winning—that's my Charlie. That's my Charlie Sheen. Nick, what do you think? <laughs> winning. Keep working on it. Keep working on it. Tiger Blood. Uh, winning. I I, I no, don't know the nothing? I don't okay, know whatever. the I, was saying, I don't know the answer. I, but I feel like it's a composer. Oh, it's a tricky question. It's a composer. <laughs> well, I don't know that it oh, is. John Williams. Oh, that's, John, John Williams. Williams. It's got to be John yeah, Williams, John right? Williams. Okay, I'm going John Williams with Adam. Yeah, John Williams, the composer. He's well, 90, Nick, he's 90 right. plus years old now. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, yeah, kudos to Nick for bringing that Spielberg, up. Spielberg, but he hasn't won anything in a while. <laughs> I'm going to stick right? with John. I'm going to stick with John Williams because I believe 
he's in his 90s now. And I want to say he's at least won 20 times. He won recently. Wow. I thought. Maybe not. But I know he's won at least 20 times. So that's my answer. Adam, are you going differently? I'll going go with Spielberg John Williams. I think that's John? a No, no, I think I'll go with John Williams. I think that's a great guess. I mean. Thank you, Nick, for the for the idea. Are you going yeah. to go with John well, Williams? I gotta, with I, this, or are you going a different three. composer? I'm going to go all three. All three. Let's go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, good guess. Good guess. We're all wrong. That means we're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all Walt my fault. Disney. Oh, Disney. wow. 22. How many do we have John a list Williams of the, Do you have a list there? Not, no, not really. Not. I, okay, because I, I, I would not, be wondering where John Williams might fall in that. <laughs> yep, well, exactly. I think Chris is close. 20. Oh, I'll look it up. Uh, what Dis- uh, Walt Disney holds the record for the most Oscars won by an individual, the total of 22 competitive awards and four honoraria awards. Hmm. was nominated 59 times throughout his career <laughs> and received <laughs> one award posthumously. Mm. Right. How did you I'm say surprised that? he hasn't won more. <laughs> no, 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 Chris, don't do that. <laughs> 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 did, you just, did you just try to you just not slide that in on his phone there? Yeah, no, let it go. Let it go. Post oh, stop human? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I okay. say humorously. You're right. Uh, yeah, whatever. whatever. But yeah, I go, we got to find out about John Williams. But that's, um, yeah, that's 22. Yeah, and then well, it's remarkable. 59 nominations. Maybe 59 nominations is remarkable. That's, Maybe pro- producer Joseph could look that up for us while we're talking. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's we, amazing. We, for, we forget that. Because of the what Disney has become, yeah, we forget that the man himself was, you know, one of one, right? He's like the Elon of his time in a lot of ways. I mean, like we forget that he's he's he. he there's a drawing I have, and I and I might have editors pop it in the video where he drew a mind map on paper of how he expected Disney to connect to everything, movies, mm. theme oh, parks, wow. everything. He had on a mm. one sheet of paper. He had it all conceptualized and conceived in advance. And it's all, it, he, he won on everything. All of it came true. Cause that's I the hard on, part. I did have on his niece on my podcast. Oh, nice. oh um, Abby. Abby, uh, yeah, so yeah. she. We were talking about her last year because of the the controversial uh, film that uh, uh, was the name Megan. It's it's untitled now, right? It was it's, uh, 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 something in Baghdad. Is, yeah, it was a Sundance film. Us. Yeah, yeah, because she because she she invested in it and and was, uh, you know, she she was gung ho about the movie. She was the first investor in and. Because she invested, all these other people came in and invested. And then when the woke mob came for her, I guess is the story that uh, the director tells. Uh, at mm-hmm. least that's what she said on the Sam Harris podcast, uh, Waking uh, waking Up. I've got your John Williams answer. You'll be oh, yeah. very disappointed. Oh, oh, give he, me is second, he is second to Walt Disney for nominations. He had okay. 52 nominations, but he's only won five Oscars. Well, huh. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize him for getting fifty-two noms though. Fifty-two wow. noms is great. He's like the it Jim Kelly or the Susan Lucci. Well, not Lucci because he you know he actually did win, 
but uh, yeah, that's that's that's, that's a mirage. He does so much work. You know, we think oh. he's won a lot. And five is a, wait, 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 wait. Five is a lot. <laughs> let's just five wins. Let's not lose sight of that, right? Yeah, let's not yeah. lose sight of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Where, I, where's Meryl so, Streep? I, I don't know. Well, producer Joe might might can find it for us, but we also need to find the name of that movie uh, that that we're talking about here. I can't believe I'm forgetting it. It, it was a documentary. Uh, Sundance deprogrammed it. Uh, it put the filmmaker in financial peril. Oh, um, and and you know it was very polarizing. And her story uh, on Sam Harris's podcast uh, was just that everybody bailed on on her, not because of the merit of the movie, and this is the issue I had with it, but because of the opinions of Sundance jurors. And jihad so jihad rehab, wanted, jihad rehab, yeah. So I, we we wanted to, you know, I wanted to look into that and say, okay, well, what's the, you know, what's the real that story? Sounds, by the way, great behind that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to yeah. see that movie. Exactly. Yeah. It's now called the Unredacted. I think the Unredacted, uh, and, yeah. and her name is Meg Smaker. Yeah, Meg oh. Meg Smaker. And here's what happened after she went on Sam Harris's podcast. She raised, I want to say, a million plus dollars through. But his podcast basically started a GoFundMe for her or something. Yeah, it and was a GoFundMe. They raised. They raised. I think seven figures in one week. Or two weeks. Unbelievable. Um, so regardless of how you feel about the film, which is hard to separate, right? It's like listening to R. Kelly's music. Uh, can you separate the man from his music? But it's, uh, it is a good story for an independent filmmaker, right? Like she spent all of her money to make the movie. She was going to be broken and then blacklisted on top of that, you know, and she still might be blacklisted by certain festivals and people, but at least, um, at least some people saw it her way enough to you know give her money for independent filmmakers that we know. Nick, they don't get that opportunity. They don't get to go on Sam Harris's very popular podcast and get a GoFundMe and raise a million dollars. They have to turn to their investors and say, "Hey, sorry," and that's that's a tough conversation. I mean, Adam, I, obviously you have opinions on it, like this this film. Um, after talking to uh, you know, Abigail Disney, like what do you, what do you, what are you, maybe she didn't even, well, I saw her, she made a documentary yeah. about her uncle and yeah. having that name. So that last year, so that's yes. where she came on for that. I have not seen the other film, so I don't want to talk about it um, yeah. without seeing it, right. you know, but it does sound like from what I would imagine, it just sounds like people that have, uh, you know, I'm guessing chosen the wrong path and then figured out, you know, you know, turned around and, uh, decided yeah jihad not so not maybe that's not so cool i don't i don't know i haven't seen it though yeah but sam harris is again you know con con contradict uh, what is it uh, controversial controversial figure and yeah i don't know but yeah that's it's another episode guys (laughs) (laughs) you got that right you got that it it sure is it sure is we let's let's, i'm I'm ready to do it on another episode though (laughs) yeah we let's yeah let's talk about that we definitely have to do a round three Papa bear. Thank you for uh, dropping in with a thing we should know. That is definitely a thing we should all know. And now the audience knows the one and only Walt Disney. 22 wins, 59 noms. Very, very impressive. And we forget that he was, it's, it's not Mickey mouse ears. It's a real man. That was very, very impressive. 
and did some very, very impressive things in his time, obviously. Adam, tell us where the people can find you on the internet, on social media. And are you ever going to, you say you have your degree in film. Are you ever going to make a film? <laughs> have you made a film we don't know about? I don't have a degree in film, but no, you said you uh, felt like well, you yes, got a degree right. by <laughs> doing this podcast. You're alluding, yes. you're alluding to what I said before. A, you were listening. We call that a callback in this. In the that's business. a callback yeah. in the yeah. comedy world. That's right. Yeah. It's a uh, good on you. Bet on me. Um, <laughs> I was really close to finishing one, but I don't. Again, long story. But right before I was uh, days from starting and i mean production pre-production was all set on a short film that i had written right before the lockdown the pandemic started so and then i moved so i i worked have since worked on a film set but i've not made a film i'm not sure if that's i have an idea for something very personal mm. and pretty edgy that I, I say edgy i just mean really personal mm. like no filters that i'm thinking about doing it would be a, a, like a work of nonfiction. So that's something I'm putting off because it's kind of difficult yep. subject matter. Um, We'd love to read it if you're, if you're open so to it. I don't want to make it too mysterious, but it's a deals with family stuff, you know, now uh, people can find me quite easily. I mean, filmwaxradio.com, of course. And then on the socials, I'm not on X. Well, it is. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I think it's still, I'd never use that, uh, but <laughs> You know, it's uh, on Facebook and Instagram and Film Wax Radio. Search that. And my name, Adam underscore Shartoff or S-C-H-A-R-T-O-F-F. Very easy to find. Love it. Reach out to me. I I really like it when I get regular people reach out to me when, you know, and I really, really, you know, appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you. You heard it first from the man right from the horse's mouth do that go follow him on instagram facebook find him on x and encourage him to to you know send out some tweets and posts again <laughs> and be you know controversial and sartorial uh you know all all at the same time uh those and- are those people that that uh, say those dum-dums you referred to before are on that well, I heard it referred that, yeah. I, I heard social media referred to today as the bathroom wall of 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 life and I'm like, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, like people get on social media and say things that you would read on a bathroom wall at a bar. Okay. Uh, you know what I mean? And my friend Scott Kimry, shout out to Scott Kimry. I hope his wife, Scott, if you're listening, I hope your wife's doing better. Um, and, and, and I'm uh, thinking about you. But he had this great idea for a coffee table book that was just high resolution Ooh. photos of all the places around the that's- country where people had written stuff on bathroom walls. That's fantastic. Yeah. So whoever makes that, I would love a royalty. I know I'm not going to get it, but somebody now is going to make it. That's a fantastic idea. I don't have the time to do it. But yeah, you just go from city to city, the best big cities, and you take pictures, high resolution pictures, and then it's in a coffee table book. Million or just idea. ask other people, ask everybody to do it in the different cities and send it to you. If you want the yeah, you scale it, exactly, you scale it, make it even better. <laughs> make it easy. Unless you, 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 like you have a, a QC problem there, right, though, Adam? You'd have a QC problem? Like everybody sends you different... Levels of quality, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he can sit on your coffee table. That's the, that's the thing. He can sit on your coffee table, Chris, yeah, right? Exactly. You know, I would do. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good idea, Adam. Right? If you want a coffee table book for your yeah. house, and hey, I, 
yeah. And I'll inscribe, uh, I'll inscribe something really, you know, appropriate um, in the, you know, on the title page or whatever, and send you both copies. Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I love it. <laughs> and, and so anyway, I digress. Uh, film coming hopefully soon for you. Folks, go follow him. Listen to Film Wax Radio. There's almost 800 episodes for a reason. It's fantastic. To find me and Nick, really easy. You can email Nick at nick at bonsai.film. He answers 100% of those email. He really would like you to join him on Reddit. Uh, big engaged community there. Really simple. He's just Nicholas Bugs on Reddit. You can follow him. It's a great follow. Uh, you can reach out to me on X at Flame in Your Heart. Your is spelled U R, or you can just search Chris Barkley and I will come right up. Uh, I am also on Facebook where I am posting full length episodes of this very podcast uh, on Facebook. So find me there. Just search for Chris Barkley or Christopher Barkley and I will come right up. And then for this podcast, everywhere you can find it, Apple, Spotify, and especially our somewhat new YouTube page, just search for the Make It Podcast and we'll come right up. And so with that, Nick, can you leave us with the credo? <laughs> Following. A pregnant pause. So again, Adam, man, thanks for being here, dude. We really appreciate you, you. Yeah, we love you too, Anytime. man. And trust, like, we we keep talking about the 790 episodes, near 800 episodes, because I want you to know that, as you probably already know, that you broke ground that allows us to do what we do. So you know, we just you don't you don't think about that, but I need you to know that. Because that's how we think of you. And we mm -hmm. think about the fact that you continue to do this wonderful service for the filmmaking community. Again, you're not, you know, interviewing the Barbies of the world, but you're interviewing those people who might be the next thing or whoever they are right now. We need to be mm -hmm. paying attention and listening either to what they're creating or just who they are on their journey. And I think that's very oh, important. You. That means a lot. Thank you. That, yeah. I, I love you guys. I'm really glad. Too, I man. hope we can do this more. I hope we can do this uh, a little bit more frequently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can make it a thing. And to our friends, family, followers, and fans out there, I'll say be better, be creative, be engaged. And thank you for listening. Nick, Adam, talk to you soon. All right, guys. Peace. All right. Peace. Peace.